When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And we have a full CHGO White Sox crew. Usually have the usual CHGO White Sox crew, but now we have a full boat here. Uh, we have four people. Vinny feels like he's falling off the rug. Uh, we'll start <laughs> over there. You can follow our CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber, on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Hello, uh, Sean. <laughs> Way over there, I see you. Hi, Vinny. Uh, I do need contacts, but you still look clear as day. So oh, you're not too far. Not that far away. Um, All right. And then right next to you is Jared Willis. You can follow him on Twitter, at Willis, Wise instead of eyes, uh, right there. And then uh, he's our baseball writer for CHGO Sports. was just on CHGO Cubs. So, I mean, you're pulling double duty just, today. It's a double header for me today. Right. And uh, if we were out in Arlington Heights, it would be a lot easier of a drive. Um, and then you got Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckermall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, we are answering some big questions left for the White Sox. Obviously, we were wondering who would fill out uh, the outfield. I guess it was more right field. They ended up signing a left fielder, uh, you know, you know. Depending on what your thoughts were, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was the big need, and they, they filled it, um, Andrew Benatendi. But what's next? Who's going to play second base? Um, where's Aloy Jimenez going to play? Uh, we have some interesting stuff from Vinny yesterday, who did interview Pedro Grafal at Guarantee Red Field. We'll bring you some clips uh, back from that about Aloy Jimenez. We also have some Rick Hahn audio on second base, Andrew Benatendi, and Aloy Jimenez. Uh, and I got some weird stats for you guys. Um, I have so I loved your suggestion about taking a Scrabble game and just throwing some pieces uh, down on the, the, the table. It's just what I assume you do every day anyway. Whenever <laughs> you tell me one of these stats, I assume you just did that. So Scrabble's at my mom's. Gotcha. So I, I would be doing it, but I, I got to make a trip to the south side. Sure. So soon I, I will be doing it. But uh, I did bring some normal stats for you guys. Uh, I was on Reddit today, uh, and hmm. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Constant underscore Gardner 11 because uh, he has two posts that I'm actually going to bring up today. Uh, but he did post the league batting line by lineup spot in 2022, and this kind of grabbed my attention just because we've been talking about where will Andrew Benatendi bat. We had the poll yesterday. Will he be second, seventh, eighth? you know, second leadoff at ninth. Um, so I do want to bring this up. Uh, you could see, obviously, you know, 
the guys who bat first, second, third, fourth, usually are pretty good hitters. Those are the only spots uh, that are above average. Uh, 2022 league stats are on the left. 2022 socks are on the right. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting going through this and putting this together for the Sox um, and seeing, you know, they're a little bit above average uh, at the leadoff spot, uh, 107 weighted runs created plus compared to the league average of 103. Uh, you know, when you look at third, uh, the third spot in the lineup, uh, they're pretty much average, 114 weighted runs created plus to create uh, compared to 117. Uh, then you look at fourth where Jose Abreu was. 141 weighted runs created plus compared to a league average of 109. Mm -hmm. um, but then second, we talk about Andrew Benatendi. League average is 115. Andrew Benatendi has been batting second um, basically his entire career. White Sox average last year was 94. So kind of seemingly, uh, Andrew Benatendi fills that hole very, very well. No? Yeah, I mean, another thing, I mean, we we're rattling off basically everything that he does that improves this team with the exception of the one big you know, power department. Uh, but there you go. I mean, there's another thing you can point to and say, all right, well, they've improved in this department with, with Andrew Benintendi. Now, they've dramatically decreased with losing Jose Abreu and a lot of others, but uh, you've got Benintendi here, base running, defense, you know, the guardians-ness that we keep talking about. Uh, and, and now you're talking about uh, a, a very specific item there, batting second, but... Uh, Hey, there's another thing that he brings to the table here, even if that home run total uh, had people kind of holding their nose during this uh, the, the news of this signing. There's a lot of things that he does really well and a lot of ways that he makes this team better. And, yeah, you saw what that uh, chart looked like. The top was a little uh, heavy, and the top hitters are supposed to be your best hitters. It doesn't fall off the table that much for league average, but the White Sox, it did just dramatically from 144 to like 68 and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, like I was saying yesterday, Andrew Benintendi, these other players who are supposed to be healthy for the year, this should help Aloy Jimenez stay healthy for a majority of the season. Those players can just be league average. You could just have a fifth hitter that is at 99, and that's fine. You saw the ninth hitter the White Sox had is way above league average. If we could just be a, like a 78 OPS plus there, fine it's not you know anything you need to worry about at the back end of your lineup but if you have just the roster of 100 100 100 115 120 125 and then like 98 87 you can deal with that you saw on the, the thing like the sixth hitter or the seventh hitter they're like 70s that that can't happen you can't have that because then people pitch around Jose Abreu to get to the fifth hitter who's struggling like like a, a Yoan Moncada or uh, Yasmani Grandal. Even then with Jose Abreu, too, like a big thing about RBIs is he's coming up mostly last year with guys or, or two outs on. You know, we see 94. That means he's, they're usually, you know, not getting on base. Uh, they're, they're usually getting out. So the ability for him, you know, him to drive in Tim Anderson on a sack fly is diminished. Uh, but, Jared, we really haven't gotten your thoughts on the Andrew Benatendi signing. Uh, what do you make of the White Sox going out and making this deal? Yeah, I think, and specifically kind of – playing off of what we were just talking about is the way that if you have him as your second hitter on a consistent basis where you know he's the guy in that spot, what that can do is it takes some of those guys who had been batting second in 2022, drops them down the lineup a little bit, and it does improve you in that, that second half of the lineup. Some of those, some of those at-bats become a little more quality, and I think that that's a – that's a subtle improvement as well because we, we know all of the things, the defense, the base running, all of that. And like Vinny mentioned, yes, the power is a question mark, but um, he's an improvement in so many other ways that I think you can, 
you can accept the, the power question. Um, but yeah, just that's what stood out to me looking at that chart was thinking about, okay, now if Ben Intendi is your guy at, at second, those guys who had been batting second before, where do they end up falling in the lineup? And Well, it's a, a little bit of a wash because you're taking your three or four hitter yeah. right out of that lineup and then all those guys that's, move up one. So you're kind of, it's kind of a, a, a little bit of a wash, but you're right in that, you know, who, who was batting, maybe not the majority of the season because he struggled so mightily, but Yohan Moncada, you know, now... He, you, we went into last year thinking he was such a good uh, fit in that mm -hmm. number two spot. Now he doesn't have to be a good fit in that number two spot. He can be uh, a guy down batting sixth or seventh. You take yeah. Luis Robert out of there maybe, and he's more in a in a run production spot. Uh, you know, even someone like Yasmani Grandal, who has those great on-base skills that would make him a natural fit in the number two hole, can use that power that he has elsewhere in the lineup. Well, and to speak to your point there, we are talking about Yoan Moncada last year. He struggled mightily for the most part with the bat, but a couple things he did well. Runners in scoring position. So him not in the second spot this year, maybe in the sixth, fifth spot, more of a, a runs-driven-in spot with Andrew Benintendi, maybe a Tim Anderson, Yoan, I mean, uh, Eloy and Luis and Robert in front of him. He has a better shot to drive in runs and be productive. Even if he's the same exact hitter he was last year, the numbers will look better because he'll have people in front of him to drive in, and he's clutch like that. Well, and two, like, I, I think it's not impossible when you look back at those 2022 stats, like, you know, a, a way to run career plus of 107 for the first in the lineup, like a healthy Tim Anderson should easily surpass that. Mm -hmm. So you see improvement there. Uh, Andrew Benatendi, we already talked about the 94. They got a uh, way to run career plus last year in that two spot. Andrew Benatendi, we talked about yesterday, his worst season was 99. So at worst, he's already an improvement. Um, but, you know, he's usually around 115 or so. Uh, third, we think Luis Robert can be an MVP. He should be able to hit like a you know fourteen percent better than an average player. Uh, if you said you know Luis Robert had an OPS of seven forty seven, it's probably an underperforming season for for Luis Robert. So you you'd think or hope that there'd be an improvement there. Yeah, and and he was the guy going into the twenty twenty two season that I was really high on, and I had I remember writing in our projections for the season. I was this is Luis Robert's year to really leave his mark on the American League and it just didn't work out that way so you know there is kind of that glaring hole of yes maybe Benintendi makes you better in the second spot but the reality of now you no longer have Jose Abreu in that four spot that's that's part of that wash that you're talking about when you take him away you get better in one spot but you've gotten a lot worse than another but the reality is is if you get Juan Moncada hitting more like we've seen in the past that he's capable of. If Luis Robert does start to take steps toward becoming the hitter that we thought that he was going to be this past year, um, that's that starts to fill in that hole. Jose Abreu, those are huge shoes to fill in a lot of ways. Um, but it does start to look a little bit better when you, you think about those kinds of things. Yeah, and uh, I know we're, we are having technical difficulties. Uh, there is a, a chat uh, saying we are on the CHGO Bets channel, so if you are trying to view us live, um, you probably wouldn't be able to hear me say this, but I just, for some reason, feel like I need to convey you this really launched into something that really makes no sense from an audio standpoint. <laughs> no, yeah, and truly, if you're not even watching this live, I won't make any sense. Oh, Okay. The shows have you don't crossed do that, the Lawrence. streams. I don't want to cross the streams. 
Oh, okay. So the sock show is currently on the bets account. We don't need to stop though. We're good to continue going. All right, cool. I'm just making sure. Um, Steven doesn't have a mic, so I'm just, you know, I have to just kind of keep talking uh, into the mic or people that aren't listening to nothing. Um, anyways. Hi, people <laughs> listen on the podcast. Hi, people. Uh, I do just want to go to, like, that 141 and seeing all that green for Jose Abreu probably does have you worrying. How are they going to replace that? Aloy Jimenez, when he returned in July to the end of the season, a weighted runs created plus of 154. One of the which, best in baseball. Yeah, right. That um, works. If you're worried about replacing uh, a slugging of 463, well, Aloy Jimenez was slugging 523. Like, sure. I mean, he, the he idea could, was that they had both of those guys. Yes. Yeah. Well, right, right. And, and, and they don't. But, um, you know, I think, I think the roster does take shape, and we're not even talking about Andrew Vaughn in the top four. I mean, it really does seem like it will be Tim Anderson, Andrew Benatendi, Luis Robert, and Aloy Jimenez. And like we said, if all of those guys are healthy – the White Sox should be better than 81 wins next year. Yeah, absolutely they should. It's uh, it's whether or not, you know, that's <laughs> enough to make up for, for losing your best player. And, and you know, it, it – listen, I have very little – Does it seem like a tough little... task, I guess, now at this point? Now seeing the team put together, does it seem tough to replace Jose Abreu, seeing the stats kind of slide in and seeing that Andrew Vaughn, who could be projected to be a 120-weighted around to create a plus player at – you know, first base and be a three-war player or whatever at first base, um, you're only losing about one war with Andrew Vaughn. But when you see Ben Attendee slid, slid in, like, does it feel like they've replaced Jose Abreu with Vaughn at first base and Ben Attendee in left field? No, absolutely not. They could have all of those players. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, they, they there was a way to put the puzzle together where you kept Jose Abreu, and they, does they, they opted play not right to. Field? No. I mean, here's the thing. is Does that make you, make you a – Bad defensive uh, team overall, like you were a year ago if you're the White Sox? Yeah, probably. But the idea is that this team's supposed to hit and hit really, really well. And if Andrew Vaughn could hit in right field and Aloy Jimenez could hit as the DH and Andrew Benintendi could hit as the left fielder, why wouldn't you want Jose Abreu to hit as the first baseman? Listen, we've, we've talked this to death. They're gonna, this is going to be a story all year long, no doubt about it. Andrew Benintendi does not replace Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu is a much better hitter than most of hitter most of the hitters in baseball. Um, what they hope happens is that all these players play to their ceiling and then and then some because that's the only way that you make up for that lost production. I think that they will play better this year. I think they are a much better than an 81 win team even without Jose Abreu. I think they could have been a much much better team with him, but we'll see what happens. And this is why I wanted to have somebody in right field or second base, a professional major league baseball player. Where we're talking about Andrew Benintendi's lowest mark in OPS plus is ninety nine for his career. I know we're excited for Oscar Colas, but we don't know what we're going to get from Oscar Colas or. Romy Gonzalez or whoever's going to be playing second. That's why I wanted either veteran second baseman, veteran right fielder. So we know what we're going to get. We're going to have a, a solid factor there where we're not going to get something that might fail. We don't know if Oscar Colas is going to be actually good at baseball as rookie year. So that would have replaced Jose Abreu in the aggregate with Vaughn Jimenez, Benatendi, and then veteran right fielder, second baseman. Right now, I think they're still short of that of the uh, production and this is not even talking about the leadership. So I would love for them to go out and get a veteran person, but I know the white Sox, they're probably just going to roll with the people they have right now. And like Vinny said, they need to perform to their 85th, 90th percentile, all of them and be healthy. And this is just the pit, the hitters we're talking about, not the pitchers. 
Like, we're banking on these five pitchers to stay healthy the whole season because our depth is Dart and who? Here, here's, here's the question. Sean Burke. Here's the question I think you were getting at. Are the White Sox better now than they were at the end of last season? On paper, in, in the world where they didn't go 500 last year, the answer is no. Well, and I guess it yeah. would just, I guess it seemed like such an impossible task to replace Jose Abreu. So I guess, you know, have they succeeded was, was more of the question. Yeah. And I, I think it starts to feel a little bit like that line from Moneyball about, you know, let's find two guys who can fill this one spot. Um, and not just as first baseman, but just across the lineup in general, where you're trying to fill in for the numbers that Jose Abreu put up. And in a world where maybe you had so much of the team underperforming or injured in 2022, it's also possible that in 2023, not that they're all going to over, you know, overperform together or stay completely healthy together, but your luck can swing the other way too, where, you know, guys do play more closer to their 85th percentile or some of the issues that caused um, them to go on the injured list last year, they are better at preventing or, or, just less bad luck, that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, those are factors too. But again, at the end of the day, it starts to feel a little bit like you're trying to fill this gap that was left with all these other pieces and hoping that all this other stuff works out. Yeah, and we'll talk about the other stuff and some of the other unanswered questions in just a second. We're going to take a quick break. Um, just like Major League Baseball, the fans, the tradition, the glory, there's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. Our go-to betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook app. Georgia Bulldogs are currently 12.5-point favorites in this game. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings same-game parlays. Uh, yesterday, I put together a same-game parlay for the Bulls game at plus one, uh, 310 odds. Kevin Durant to go over 29.5 points. He had 44. Uh, Kyrie Irving to go over 27 and a half. He had 25. So that bet didn't hit, but it was a, a fun way to watch the game. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code CHGO and new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And Stephen, I'm glad you're here for this because you're our golf guy. Right, you're the guy who gets all these compliments on and off the course with your pins and aces apparel. They are the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. Stephen loves his pins and aces gear because they're family-owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and our favorite beer sleeve. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keeps drinks cold the entire round. Um, so you can prep for you know your 18 holes already and you can go out into your garage put the beers in the beer sleeve and you know practice drinking seven beers and I, I think it'd be a great way to waste time this winter so check out pinsandaces.com and use code chgo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping that's pinsandaces.com code chgo for 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping all right let's get into some sound here because uh vinny did talk to pedro Grafol. we also uh talked to or you talked to rick Hahn as well um so we got some insight on some of these lingering questions here um and i think the biggest one will be who will play in right field 
and a wrinkle was added. You just wrote about this on allchgo.com. Doesn't seem like it's going to be Aloy Jimenez, but it could well, be. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> Everybody hears Pedro Gafol say, Andrew Benintendi's here to be the left fielder. So I called up Aloy and I said, keep practicing outfield, maybe even practice a little right field. And everybody goes crazy as if Pedro Grafal said unequivocal, unequivocally, they get that one? Yeah. Aloy Jimenez is going to be the everyday right fielder for the, for the 2023 Chicago White Sox. That's not what he said. What he's, and, and basically, we're going to play what he yes. said. And the, the big takeaway, though, is that Aloy Jimenez played some right field in the, in the minor leagues, uh, a not insignificant amount of it for the White, even after he was traded to the White Sox organization. Um, here's a guy who, in a pinch, might be able to play some right field. Aloy Jimenez, everybody knows, is, is best suited for DH given his defensive uh, shortcomings that he has displayed over the last few years, particularly the shortcomings that prevent him from staying healthy. But, hey, there's going to be a day when... Oscar Colas needs a day off, or Andrew Benintendi needs a day off, or Andrew Benintendi is on the IL, or Oscar Colas is on the IL. And they say, all right, Gavin Sheets can start in right field against the right-handed starter, but we're going up against a lefty today. Boy, it should, sure would be nice to have both Aloy and Yasmani Grandal and the backup catcher in the lineup all at the same time. Why don't we send Aloy out to right field for a few innings? Yeah, as can DH. You know, I mean, this stuff happens during a baseball season. It's not set your lineup on opening day, and that's what it is for 162 games. Pedro can talk about it, as he did yesterday, but I think that's your takeaway. There's 150. I'm trying to calm everybody right. down here, Sean. Uh, in 2022, <laughs> the White Sox had 158 lineups, so uh, there might be 157 this year uh, just with all the different ways that uh, a lineup can be created. So let's get some insight from Rick Hahn and Pedro Grafal, um, and I do love this Rick Hahn audio because it kind of sets up the Pedro Grafal audio, um, and I do think it's interesting just to see how this general manager and manager want to or intend to work together. So first, let's hear Rick Hahn on uh, Aloy playing the outfield. I'll leave. Uh, I think that's a better question for Pedro, uh, who will be available tomorrow, and he can explain to you sort of how uh, what we've talked about in terms of Aloy's role going forward, as well as the, the conversations with Aloy. Um, I will say I, I still expect Aloy to be available and play some outfield. Uh, the positive, you know, if you want to take some positive uh, development out of his limited availability last year was that Aloy showed that he could thrive in the DH spot offensively when that was his primary spot. Obviously, uh, a lot of players uh, we've seen over time takes a period of time to, to adjust to that role. And Aloy certainly showed that he's able to produce as a, as a primary DH Again, that said, I still think there's going to be some opportunities along the way for him to play at the outfield. Yeah, and like he said, he'll kind of let Pedro talk about it a little bit more in depth. But like Rick said, there's opportunities for him to play in the outfield. Not he will be the outfielder, but you did have the chance to speak with Pedro Grafal. Um, we did want to let you know the audio was a little bit messed up with people talking in the background. Um, it is, though, a great opportunity to hear Pedro Grafal still talk. Um, so here is Vinny asking Pedro Grafal about Aloy's opportunities in the outfield in 2023. 
you said yeah, during the press conference that, that Andrew's here to play left field. Yeah, and people right. wonder what's that mean for Aloy Jimenez. We talked about him continuing to work in the outfield, maybe play a little right field. Even uh, what is the plan for Aloy forward defensively? Position. Well, he always has a dynamic offensive player. Everybody knows that he can be one of the best offensive players in the game. Uh, and you know, just like uh, Benny comes in, has a left field pass when he plays a But in um, in speaking to Rick, uh, you know, Eloy also has also has some experience in right field. I think when he's signed, he plays in right field. Um, so I talked to Eloy. Uh, he's all in. He's a professional. He knows what we're trying to do. Um, and uh, obviously, when he's coming here to play left field, I need you to continue to practice on left, play some right field, just in case there's a need out there in right field. Um, and he said, whatever it takes to win baseball games, I'm I'm, I'm in this thing. Uh, to play October baseball, that's what this is about. And, uh, and I said, that's that's all we need to hear. Our, our job is to keep Eloy in the lineup throughout the whole year. And if we, and if we can do that, um, he can stay healthy. And, and I know that he'll have a big year for us. And his job is basically, and I think that was the biggest takeaway, their job is to keep Aloy in the lineup no matter what. So what do we make of Aloy getting these opportunities in right field? I'm not too... Um, as opposed to it as I would be normally. Um, I just want Aloy in the lineup and less exposure to the outfield, less playing time. And Aloy is just a fun-loving guy, wants to prove his wares out in the outfield. Aloy for, I don't even know what the outs above average is, but for the most part in 2021 and 2022, when he played left field, I was like, all right. That's serviceable left field where I'm not worried about him actually catching the ball. He can do a, a good job in left field. Right field's a different beast out there. You're usually uh, dependent on having a cannon of an arm. Um, that right field and uh, guaranteed rate is not that difficult to, to, to man, as it were, unless you're talking about that guy who ran head first or the knee first into that uh, utility box and uh, guaranteed rate. Dustin Fowler. Yeah, career's over now. But if it's 15 times in the outfield this year, 20 times, Fine, as long as he comes out unscathed. That's all I care about, Aloy Jimenez, in the lineup for majority of the time, even better than the majority of the time. That's all I care about. Yeah, I think the, the main thing with Aloy is about getting his bat in the lineup and having him do what he's capable of at the plate and keeping him healthy so that he can do that on a consistent basis. So I, don't, I, I think the right field question at the end of the season, we'll look back on it and say, I don't know why we're really worried about that all that much because I don't see him playing there a whole lot. Or when he does start in right field, it's probably going to be a lot of he plays the first six, seven innings or so, defensive replacement for in a close game, you know, defensive replacement comes in and and handles the last two innings. I don't think it's going to end up being that big of a deal. And Vinny, like you said, too, it's not like Ben Benintendi is going to play left field 162 times. He's going to get his time there. He might play it 150. Yeah, but yeah, but that's but, still a dozen games that you got to cover. Yeah, it leaves you twelve games that need to be covered by somebody. Um, DH, you know, there's there's a lot of flexibility, and, and really, honestly, that's the kind of problem that you want your manager to have. You want him to have to figure out. I've got these good bats. Where do I find the spots to give the get them up to the plate? That's what you want, Pedro Grafal wrestling with as he's making his lineups to be fair Ben attendee 120 games in left field last year one as a DH four as a pinch hitter 
no other opportunities in right field or left field. I'm not sure if they want to move him outside of that, but you know, he's he, he's not going to play 162. I guess that's kind of what point. we were right meaning. But, yeah, why, yeah, not yeah. that like oh, there's you 12 know, times where he might play third base for a random reason. <laughs> why not have a fourth outfielder though? You know, Gavin Sheets is is on the team. I think that they're just kind of getting too cute with it. Like I understand Aloy Jimenez is still a good athlete, but you saw the nervousness that he had post. Minnesota injury um this is a guy that athletically when you look at his sprint speed in 2021 he was like 60th percentile why then in 2022 was he at the 16th percentile probably because he was nursing an injury or just afraid to really push that because he wanted to stay healthy and then you also look at his arm strength the big thing about playing left field or right field is do you have the arm to play right field and make those throws to third base and home Aloy Jimenez for his entire career, has had an awful arm. Has a bad arm, like, for a right fielder. So there's no reason to take him away for left field. So I just think that they're getting too cute for it. If you're gonna I think you're taking it too seriously. I think you're taking this too seriously. I think this is, he's going to, I think he's going to play less than 10 innings in in right field this year. I mean, like, I think this is about versatility. It's about maximizing a guy who might be the best player on the White Sox right now in terms of offense, certainly, um, you know, and saying, okay, if we get into an emergency situation, can I, Pedro Grafal, turn to Aloy Jimenez and say, can you help us out? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think this is anything where you need to uh, craft an argument against uh, being ready to do something. I think, you know, Aloy Jimenez is the DH, and I, I, he is not going to um, be roving around the outfield like Adam Engel was last year. You know, I mean, right. this is a situation where, uh, you know, e- I think even the quote-unquote, in your mind, worst-case scenario, where the worst-case scenario is Aloy having to play the outfield, which is not really that bad. It well, means right, he's, right, right means field he's, specifically. It means he's, he's not in left injured. field, I'm okay. Uh, but I think the point is that, like, let's say Oscar Colas falls on his face in spring training – which, again, the excitement level that they have over him, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. But And they're like, all right, he cannot be a major league player from day one. All of a sudden, you've probably – then you've got Gavin Sheets as your right fielder, but he maybe only can go out there against one hand of starting pitching. That's maybe when you're looking at Aloy's time in right field, if that's even going to happen, increasing. But, hey, you've got Larry Garcia who can play out there. Um, you know, if you're – again, if you're just looking for a body to put out there mm-hmm. that isn't Aloy Jimenez, there are people – that fit that description. <laughs> so is he like the sixth outfielder then? Like if, if you know, Gavin Sheets is the fourth outfielder and then like Leary's the fifth outfielder, would it Aloy even be like the sixth or seventh outfielder with Vaughn having the possibility? Like you're just saying it's possible that he'll, he might be in the outfield. It's, maybe it's like when he's your right fielder in the same way that, you know, your running back becomes your emergency quarterback if the okay. first, you yeah. know, maybe it's something like that. Or like Larry is the emergency catcher, that type right, situation. Right. Yeah. It was Danny Mendick, right? It was Danny Mendick, but there not, not after And now he's the, the emergency catcher for James McCann in, in, in New York. Um, so you did ask about Oscar Colas, though. I did. Seems to be the, the leading guy for right field. Um, so let's get Pedro Grafal's thoughts on uh, Oscar Colas, the 25-year-old uh, slugger who tore up double A AA and triple A. Rick has mentioned another another young guy when talking about right field and Oscar Colas. How much have you been able to, to see of Oscar? And, and is he a guy that could make a big league impact you know, as soon as opening day next year? Yeah, you know, Oscar lives in Miami, and uh, he's the last three weeks he's been working with uh, Mike Tozzi and Jose Castro um, down, in, down in Miami. And I've seen him quite a few times. So he's been pretty impressive. Uh, he's a young kid with a good head on his shoulders. He's 
He's played in Japan. He's played minor league baseball in Japan. He's had success here in the minor leagues. Uh, he looks good. He's in really good shape. He's strong. Uh, he's, he's got potential to be an impact bat, and uh, I know he can throw. I haven't seen him play defensively, but I hear that he does a really good job out there, and I know that he's he's got one heck of an arm because he'll, he was a pitcher too. He's a two-way guy. Uh, he's mid-90s, so I know he can really throw, but we're looking for big things out of him too. And he's going to have every opportunity to make this ball club uh, in spring training, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Every opportunity to make this ball club is pretty strong, no? Yeah, I would. I mean, listen, we, Rick Hahn, I think, surprised when he started talking up Oscar Colas is like, you know, he brought him up unprovoked, if memory serves. Uh, I believe it was at the GM meeting saying to the reporters who were there, you know, hey, don't forget about Oscar Colas. He's he's a guy. He might be the right fielder kind of situation. And uh, I think that all signs point to that ending up the case, especially after they go out and they spend their money to fill that left field vacancy right field. I mean, hey, Oscar Colas is, is is not nothing. He's their number two prospect in their organization, uh, has had some pro experience uh, before joining the White Sox organization. Uh, looks like they're ready to give him a shot with the with the power tool that he has, with the defensive ability he has out there. He should be an upgrade defensively over what they were last year. So you get a big upgrade in the defensive outfield between Benintendi, Colas, and a healthy Luis Robert, uh, it should be much different looking from simply a defensive standpoint than if Colas can do anything offensively. Uh, that's a cherry on top of the Sunday. Probably Herb looking at him being what your eighth hitter uh, if, if, the, uh, if the season were to start tomorrow. Oh, yeah, and I just think about how this all came about and how this is available. Thank God for A.J. Pollock who still doesn't have a job, which is weird. Like, that was a gamble that mm, he might lose on. But Oscar Colas. Might. Get, huh? You think he might lose on it? Oh, yeah. Goodness <laughs> gracious. That was just, whew. whoever is advising him needs to get fired. But, yeah, Oscar Colas, I, I'm excited about the kid. I'm excited about his future because he did nothing but mash down there, as you said. He killed double A AA and triple A. And, you know, they tried to do the Project Birmingham thing and keep all the people down there. He's like, Hey man, you're just too good. Get your ass up to AAA and see what you can do up there the last couple uh, weeks here. And he did well there, too. So I see him. I would have my druthers to have him just in the minors. But if he comes up and Rick and all the staff thinks he's ready to go and play on day one, I'm good with that. And, and they're not going to play any uh, uh, you know, service time manipulation games. Go ahead. And let the man get his at-bats in. He's batting eighth or ninth in the lineup. No pressure on the kid either because you got all these uh, big-time sluggers in front of you. You're eighth. You don't have to do anything but be you. And if you are a little bit better than you, you can be moved up to the uh, lineup uh, in uh, later in the year. I am interested, though. Now that you, now you, you think about this, you get thinking about this. Gavin Sheets, left-handed bat. Yep. Mm-hmm. No shift. Didn't really Hasn't really had many, much in the way of opportunity to hit against left-handed pitching. W- what is Gavin Sheets? And does Gavin Sheets say... No, no, Oscar Colas, I, I got this. You know what I mean? Like, is he a guy who can can go out there and put on an offensive display in spring training now that you got some rule changes that would work in his favor and, you know, maybe just get some more reps in? It, is he a guy that all of a sudden is the answer in right field? Well, yeah. I, I found some uh, Cliff Floyd footage on Andrew Benatendi breaking down his leg kick and stuff, and he's been a big fan of Andrew Benatendi's leg kick since, like, 2019, but Benatendi's kind of gone away from the leg kick, and Cliff Floyd was thinking, well, he's trying to beat the shift and spray to all fields, so we might now see the leg kick come back, and maybe Andrew ben- Benatendi might, like, get some pop back into his game. Um, but then I wonder, too, like, you know, if that's what Andrew Benatendi was doing, we saw Gavin Sheets 
clearly try to spray to all fields. If Gavin Sheets can unload, he still was close to the team lead in home runs last year at like 13 at guaranteed right field alone. That might be some massive right field power that, you know, might be call us out. And especially the difference when it's a young hitter who is trying to compensate for the shift versus somebody who's a veteran who has a lot more experience. Yeah, somebody like Sheets who can go up to the go up to the plate and not have to think about beating a shift or trying to hit to a different field than whatever might feel natural for him. Um, I'd love to see in spring training just a true competition between Gavin Sheets and Oscar Colas. And, you know, maybe Colas doesn't make the roster on opening day, but it's, you know, he, he had just, I, I had to go and look it up just to make sure um, I was remembering right, but he only had 30 some plate appearances in AAA at the end of the season. So it's not a lot. So it's, it's not a terrible scenario if Sheets really shows you something in, in February and March, and then you can say to Colas, we're going to send you back to Charlotte and have you play a few more weeks there and just see how things play out. You know, where this, the opportunities sometimes create themselves as the season goes on. But, yeah, I'm very curious. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, what, kind of, what does Sheets look like as a hitter when, he's not, when the shift isn't there? And yeah. we know uh, as – fans that we would love it to be a meritocracy where if Garrett, Gavin Sheets and Oscar Colas are battling and Gavin is the better player by far, they give him the job. But sometimes teams and players and managers are like, oh, I want Oscar to do well. So if Oscar comes anywhere near where Gavin's at, Oscar's the guy. I hope they do a meritocracy where it's like, okay, this is an actual battle because we don't know if we're going to go in with a rookie in right field or we're going to go with a guy who, like we said, the shift is gone. He hit a lot of balls that way. He found holes, and he hit a lot of home runs at guaranteed rate. Maybe he's the better of the options because of our offense, and then Oscar Colas is the better of the options because even if he can't hit major league pitching as yet, we know he's going to glove it in right field. We know that Gavin is a deficient right fielder. Well, and the one thing, too, you talk about Gavin Sheets not having that opportunity versus left-handed pitching. Um, I can't find the exact numbers. Um, if I give the number that I did find, which I don't think is right, Oscar Colas apparently hit 400 versus left-handers. Pretty which, good. Uh, pretty good. Um, do. I don't think it was that good. Uh, but I do Oscar think ball it, game. Oscar ball game. <laughs> uh, Oscar RC. Um, but uh, – I, I do know it's like above 300. Like that was the one thing that I don't think he was really hitting for power against left-handers, but he was still able to take that swing and still be effective versus lefties. So that might be the big decider between Gavin Sheets and Oscar Colas. It might be the defense too, because Colas is a better athlete, but um, Colas might be able to go up against both handedness. Well, or, you know, you got a good, you got a good defender in Oscar Colas. You got a guy who can hit left-handed pitching. Ball go boom. And, you know, Gavin Sheets can hit right-handed pitching. Is that your platoon? Straight platoon. Right. And, and does Oscar Colas, can Oscar Colas kind of serve as a, not the fourth outfielder, but a fourth outfielder, a three-and-a-half outfielder, you know, where you can bring him in because he plays defense well and you can bring him into the final two or three innings of a ball game, you know, uh, to replace uh, Gavin Sheets in right field or, you know, on a on a off-chance day where Aloy, Aloy Jimenez might be out there. But, uh you know, I think uh, there's a lot of things that maybe we haven't thought about because we're trying to think of like, hey, there needs to be a right fielder. Yeah, maybe there's a there's a universe in which there uh, is some combination of multiple guys. Right, Leary, Gavin Sheets, and Oscar Colas. Well, and maybe um, Leary just becomes your your infield, your backup infielder. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can have floater. Anyways. You can dedicate that roster spot, you know, to to Colas, and then 
your backup infield roster spot can be dedicated to Leary, even though he has the versatility to go elsewhere. And especially given that they don't really have a second baseman right now, so you're going to need some fill-in in that spot in your infield to begin with because there's, there's not really a committed person to that position. Um, and I think I, I'm okay with having one spot in the lineup where it's not necessarily a guy, but I don't know about two of them. Mm-hmm. And it's been a few years now of – the second baseman du jour, and I'd kind of like to see them have someone a little more steady in that spot, uh, especially given going back to what we talked about with the shift, where middle infield defense now becomes even more important. Mm-hmm. Who the White Sox have playing second base becomes a more important question. Yeah, and that's a natural segue. What so a I'm going to take it. Right. I mean, it's a professional. <laughs> it's almost as right if here. I knew. Uh, and I was going to go. <laughs> I was going to go into movement profiles and bat paths, but I guess I'll just halt that. But uh, we'll see how good Oscar Colas is against straight forcing fastballs, and uh, maybe that's what they go with the platoon because uh, uh, Gavin Sheets can hit cutters and sinkers. Well, uh, anyways, uh, let's get into an ad break here. We got to get you the DraftKings pick of the week, and I made this one early, but you can still get in on the action maybe just not at the great price that I got. I got the Vikings to lead the first quarter against the Bears on Sunday um, at plus 115 uh, and them to lead uh, by minus one and a half. So basically they just have to lead by a safety or more and they're going up against Nathan Peterman. And the last time the Bears and Vikings played, Vikings were leading by halftime uh, by 21. So uh, if they were to lead by 21, that would be be a, a win on the DraftKings pick of the week. So make sure you're downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Right now, you bet any $5 for new customers. If you bet any $5 uh, bet on any team, uh, you do get $200 instantly uh, in free bets. So make sure you are downloading DraftKings Sportsbook app and using the code CHGO when you sign up. See show notes for details and minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. We also got to let you know about Chi-Town Cornhole. They make the fantastic, the best cornhole boards out there. They are the number one cornhole provider for Chicagoland and Illinois since 2007, and their signature box style design can be digitally printed, covered in vinyl, and painted, and their cornhole boards come in come with built-in drink holders, recessed in on the back, LED lights that hold, light up the hole, and my favorite, exterior handles for easy carrying and handcrafted scorekeepers. This is a veteran-owned and operated business, and they can ship anywhere and offer local pickups. Um, Using these boards at our tailgates, they are fantastic, high-quality boards, and we highly, highly recommend them. So go check out their website, ChiTownCornhole.com, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at ChiTownCustomCornhole.com. Boards, uh, and you can see all their very pretty boards that they made. They just made a, a Messi and Maradona one, uh, so you know they can really uh, bust it out. Whatever design you want, they'll even go all the way to Argentina uh, to get inspiration. All right, so uh, check out Shytown Cornhole Boards uh, for your next bag situation. And then we got to let you know about Foco. We already told you about the Andrew Benatendi Arkansas bobblehead that you can get for ten percent off using the code CHGO for all non presale items. But Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite teams. That's us, CHGO, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from the Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodie, slipper, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. They are the leaders in sports apparel, merch, and collectibles. FOCO, F-O-C-O, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. So again, check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, let's get right into the audio and sound and talk about second base. 
Rick Hahn was asked about the second base options internally and if they will add, and here are his thoughts. It's certainly a possibility. I mean, look, we think very highly of, of Romy and think Lennon Sosa is a, is a guy who's got a very bright future as well. Uh, ultimately, that could be an area where we have future additions, whether it's in the next few weeks or, or something that happens in camp. Uh, if in the end we're choosing from from Romy and, and Lennon with, with Leary as a potential backup, you know, that's something that uh, we certainly feel is uh, – gives us an opportunity to win, but at the same time isn't necessarily going to preclude us from looking at ways to get better. There could be something out there is basically what Rick Hahn said, and I thought it was very interesting seeing the breakdown of the Ben Attendee deal. He gets a $3 million signing bonus to go along with $8 million, so it was a 15 AAV, but only $11 million for 2023. So does that mean the White Sox will add at second base? Is there still a free agent move to add at second base, the hole that you think is most prescient? I mean, they, they could. I think the big question is who's actually out there right now that would be available that's not going to just feel like a repeat of what they've done the last few years. Um, we can be, bring Josh Harrison back. Steven? So I said precedent and I meant precedent. Um, but Josh Harrison um, was my actual suggestion. Why not? I mean, we talked about his ability to play above-average offense and above-average defense. Not a lot of guys that do that at second base. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> from a production standpoint, it's not interesting. Um, the question is, is it more interesting than Romy Gonzalez or is it more interesting yeah. than Lenin Sosa? Uh, thought it was interesting there that Rick did not mention Leori as a potential nope. starting no. option. Um, Straight backup. Uh, but he there you go. He's on the yeah. team for next year. He is. Uh, but uh, $5 million backup. Nice. Give yeah, I mean, I've been saying all along, I think that the move that is probably coming is very Josh Harrison-like mm. um, in that it'll be someone of that caliber, of that not top-tier caliber, um, and probably at a similar time. And Rick said that was a possibility that it might come in camp. Um, I see that happening if for no other reason than you have some certainty, you have some stability that you don't have with the young guys right now. But maybe that is is... Uh, coming on some sort of minor league deal, and and maybe it's maybe it's a Josh Harrison type on a minor league deal. So if Romy Gonzalez does do well in spring training, or Lenin Sosa does do really well in spring training, you say, all right, thanks for the competition. We signed you to a minor league deal. There's no risk. We're not guaranteeing you any uh, big money. Uh, we'll go ahead with the guys that we had, and, and maybe that's what ends up happening. Maybe this is less of a Josh Harrison type signing and more of a Jonathan Lucroy type signing. Yeah. Tim oh, Beckham signing. Jonathan Lucroy. I thought <laughs> he had the job. Jonathan Lu I thought Jonathan Lucroy was going to get that backup catcher job. I would have I would have you know, I'm not a betting man, but yeah. I was very confident that that was going to happen and boy did it not. <laughs> and a deal like that could function almost as an insurance option. Um, sign somebody a veteran to a minor league deal and give some competition to these younger guys and if they work out like you said, hey, thanks for coming. I uh, hope you enjoyed your time in Arizona and uh, happy trails. Or if some of these younger guys don't show you what you want to see in spring training, then at least you know you have the Josh Harrison type that you can rely on to provide some stability to the position. Not necessarily the production at the position that you want, but at least the stability to say, okay, we've got our guy for second base for now at least. This will work. Almost like a, a placeholder type 
option. You'll fill this spot while we need you. And hey, remember all those trades? Rick said we're uh, we're coming down the uh, down the pipeline for yeah. for uh, for the White Sox this offseason. There hasn't been one yet. Two free agent signings and a, and a few minor league deals, but no. Uh, well, I guess Gregory Santos was right. acquired via trade, but uh, hey, maybe that's what happens. I mean, Reese McGuire uh, last last spring that was what that was like two week two days before opening day or something or like a week before opening day something like that. So it can come down to the wire. They've shown it before, and maybe you get somebody who you think right now is like, oh, they're a piece of this puzzle in some fashion moving forward, like we all thought Zach Collins was going to be, and it's okay, they're going to swap him out for, for somebody else that, that fits what they're doing a little bit more. And to be fair, though, that move was made so late just because of the lockout. So, you know, those moves will be spread out just a little bit more fairly, I think, rather sure. than just all like right when spring training started. Well, sure, but I guess my point is we didn't need a lockout in the years prior to that for a lot of roster moves to be being made during once after camp officially started, be it high-profile free agent signings or – you know, minor league deals where guys showed up, you know, two days after camp mm-hmm. started. And, you know, so I, I really think follow them. I, I really just think mm-hmm. that anything can still happen in terms of uh, acquiring something. Just don't think it's going to be somebody who's going to knock your socks off, no pun intended, because I, I, I just honestly see them picking up somebody not splashy, but that might provide just a bit increase in certainty than they have right now. And to know? be fair to Josh Harrison, he was a pretty decent above average or yeah. just average uh, actual glove man at second. And to a point that Jared made, you're going to need that. You're going to need a guy that's covering a lot of ground at second base because of the shift being gone. And so you need a guy up the middle. And you already know Tim has his moments up the middle. So you don't need another person on the other side of the base being shaky. So a solid glove at second base might be more valuable than an actual person that is a veteran that can hit so you're looking more for the defensive side of the second baseman instead of the offensive side that's why I've always gone for Jose Iglesias that guy would be I think perfect for the White Sox but he's a natural shortstop and two I think if you're looking at the guys that are currently on the roster that are fighting for the position uh Lenin and Romy both of those guys I would describe them as bat guys rather than glove guys yes. so I think they're they're probably looking for somebody to provide you know, something with the bat. I don't think they're, you know, looking and would eat a guy who's going to give them a 64 way to runs created plus. Like, I think they're looking for somebody who can be a, a little bit more balanced. Um, I do want to just uh, pull up those uh, splits again by the, the batting order, uh, just because you said, what, Colas would bat eighth? In my, yeah, in my uh, first draft of my White Sox lineup, I was thinking that Colas would bat eighth because it'd be Tim, then Benintendi, Luis, uh, Aloy, I have Moncada fifth, then Vaughn, then then I go with uh, Yasmani, Colas, and whoever's playing second is the ninth guy. Well, so the Sox had uh, their eighth hitter hit uh, had a weighted runs career plus of eighty five. Um, I'd be, you know, I think most people would be like a rookie hitting having that as their weighted runs career plus would be fine, swallowable. Um, not Steamer as your right fielder, though. It's not great. It's not Ste- as your right fielder, though. Steamer has been projected as a 116 way to run career. Oh, wow. So I think uh, the improvement of 185 uh, to 116 is huge there. Um, but then, too, I mean, Josh Harrison, just looking at six, seven, and eight spots right there. Um, and to be fair, Josh Harrison was the ninth hitter for the most spot, and he was clearly above average compared to you know major league levels. Uh, 81 way to runs career plus for the ninth spot, 97 for the Sox. Um, we know that they were consistently leading uh, the ninth hole in batting average. Uh, but Josh Harrison, uh, I really think, you know, looking at what he did last year, it was like a 687 OPS. Um, he'd do better than what they had at 
the sixth spot last year, seventh spot last year, eighth spot last year, and uh, be consistent with their ninth spot. I well, don't what think was, it, what was the option? I don't remember the number. What was the option? Um, that they did that they turned down five million. Oh, five. five. Yeah. Could they get them on one for less than that? Probably. I mean, like, yeah. There you like, go. Maybe it like, was all a money-saving move in, in the end. You know but, what I mean? But maybe it's just like, you know, maybe it's our last option, and if we miss <laughs> out on you, we miss out on you. But if we could rekindle it, we could rekindle it. And, hey, he was maybe doing like just a chopper. Him. He should do like a, a moped. <laughs> well, that was, that was my joke. Vespa. That was yeah. my joke because, yeah, Harrison was always way up here, yeah. and Jose Abreu was like this. He's driving <laughs> a little Vespa. Love it. Did Rick – baguette in the back make, make any <laughs> jokes about not making any trades or, or making all these free agent signings uh I, I did listen to the the, the zoom thing but i'm surprised he, he like he made some joke about Merck about the michigan touchdown or whatever but <laughs> michigan they're always talking about michigan there's other schools michigan out there men. there's other schools um but uh no he I, I kind of asked him about that i kind of asked him about you know you had said probably not going to be doing a lot of free agent signings and probably not going to be doing a lot of big free agent signings. And then here they are handing out the biggest free agent contract they've ever handed out. Uh, and he kind of said like, you know, just kind of sometimes things happen differently than you think. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had mentioned when he made those comments, you know, kind of his history of wanting and sometimes failing to set expectations correctly. Maybe that was, the, uh, you know, this time around, maybe that was in his mind when he made those comments. But, you know, maybe it, it is just a case of like, well, we weren't anticipating that when it happened, and then this kind of uh, materialized better than we thought. That being said, Ben Intendi is a guy who they've wanted for seven and a half years, well, as he said. So, you know. I'm surprised there wasn't more, like, gloating on that. Like, I, I thought this was, like, Rick Hahn's, like, mastermind idea where he always talk about the White Sox working in the dark and everything like that, and it would make sense that the White Sox are working in the dark. Oh, we're going to be trading. We're going to be trading. And it's, like, all we have our eyes on are Andrew Benatendi and what kindled this relationship with the manager was Andrew Benatendi, and we geeked out about Andrew Benatendi. So, I, I, I don't know. It might be, like, maybe their secret plan or whatever. But do you think they're going to add – more like it would it be a trade would it be free agent I know he addressed it a little bit and and maybe that will get our discussion here like will it be a right fielder will it be a second baseman um but what, what did Rick say about you know trade or no trade coming up I, I mean I don't know about that specifically obviously he always talks in in trying to keep every option on the table and uh, hey anything could happen at any moment you never know kind of thing uh and I do believe that's true because again you got to answer your phone and listen to to whenever anybody says anything um I don't think anything huge is going to happen, but I also think I think there's going to be movement at second base based on what he said. I know he also said that you know they'd be fine with what they got, but I think I think they're going to bring in a veteran to play second base. Uh, it might not be anybody that gets any of you very excited, <laughs> but uh, I think they'll bring in a veteran to at least see what they got at second base. Um, and yeah, I think you'll see um, another uh, Johnny Cueto style or Irvin Santana style, as I always like to call it, uh, signing minor league deal for a, for a guy who's done it before and might surprise you or might be willing to stick around. And, uh, you know, they've had guys in the past like Vince Velasquez last year, like Ross Detweiler a few years ago, yeah. guys who, um, you know, uh, are, are willing to play that role, that I'll do anything role, you know, willing to go into the bullpen and be a long man and, and wait their turn for, for a spot start to come up. Davis Martin did a really good job last year. They've got the ability to keep Davis Martin in AAA. They don't need Davis Martin to pitch out of the bullpen in a long roll if they can sign somebody and convince somebody to come along, provide them with some more depth, but also do that job and the, uh, as a major league bullpen arm. Could do be you, Garrett Crochet. Do you Probably think not. They're going to give a hype video for this person when they sign him? 
Like the Pirates did for Vince Velasquez? No, because, I mean, I don't even think Clevenger got a... Did Clevenger get a hype video? I don't know. They're not big on the so. hype videos. Mm-hmm. They're, they, one, they, they're big on the photoshops. You know, they like the cool. photoshops of the guy in the in the New Jersey and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, so I think you'll see that over instead of a hype video. Yeah. Ooh, we got Vince Velasquez. Come to your come to your Pittsburgh games now. VV's well, they, here. Pirates <laughs> just signed Rich Hill as well. So <laughs> that, ro- that. that rotation is so, going to be menacing in 2017. There are, <laughs> there are three players um, that I know of that are making a base salary of $8 million. Mike Clevenger, Andrew Benatendi, and this is in 2023. Mike Clevenger, Andrew Benatendi, Rich Hill. Those one are the, the only three that are making well, well, just the ones that I know off the top of my oh, head. Okay. So it's just like one of those is not like the others. I feel like Rich Hill. I don't understand at 43. I mean, it just pays to be left-handed truly at this point. Um, so, Hey kids. And I'm just happy that he's still in baseball because the list of players who are older than I am has gotten really short. <laughs> so Tom keep, Brady's still helping you. Do I keep any? at it. Rich Hill. Not a, not a baseball <laughs> player though. Tom Brady. It's little, true. little known fact. He was drafted, he was drafted though drafted. by the, that, by the Expos. Um, all right. So, What's the next move, if anything? Jared and, and, and Herb, what's the next move? Close us out here. Um, I mean, is it right field? Is it second base? I mean, what's what's the finishing piece maybe to this 2023 team? I don't even know if they, you know, he's talked about, you know, maybe improving second base, but I don't even think there's an appetite for necessarily going out and getting these people. There's not a huge, great second base slash shortstop market out there to be had. And so... You can trust in what Romy, he maybe he trusts in Romy Gonzalez and Lenin Sosa and Oscar Colas. And it's like, you know what? What the rest of the guys who are trusting on, seven other guys, they'll carry the offense. What these other two guys, other two positions have to do are just hold on the fort. Don't be terrible. And so I can see them just going to camp with this team and then seeing them play. It's like, oh, maybe we need this guy, that guy, Her, other. Don't be terrible. Yes. They're trying to win the World Series. And they've got two of their that's, nine starting position players. Just don't where be the, terrible. Where, where you t- think the, th- the, the thing is don't be terrible. <laughs> but that's why <laughs> that's I think it. just like seeing that money that's allocated for this year, like that's why I think like you Josh. You left it open for well, a well, That's reason. why I think Josh Harrison is a possibility just because like second baseman's so bad and he's just so normal, I guess. Yeah. He's so not terrible. He's just, that. yeah, right. It could, yeah. Romy could be terrible. And no offense to Romy, but like he was a 22nd round draft pick. Usually those guys don't hit. Lenin Sosa wasn't trusted when he came up. Like Josh Harrison has been in the major leagues for 10 years. That's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. I, I think as moves wise before the, certainly before spring training begins, I don't see much else happening. I think a spring training is going to be the time to, like we talked about earlier, there's going to be a couple of these position battles, see who really shows themselves. Yeah. And again, maybe you see like a minor league type deal for a second baseman. I saw earlier this afternoon that the giants released or uh, going to release Tommy Listella. So who knows? You, minor you league know, deal. Why not? Mike Moustakis. Mike Moustakis yeah. just league got deal. DFA. Why not? Yeah. Ugh. Just, I mean, because again, it's the, like, it's the, an insurance option. Royals. Sure. You know, the, why not? Herb, you're turning your nose up over there. Yes. Guess what happens if it doesn't work out? Cut him, but still, I don't want Moose on the team. He's not going to do anything. I already know he's not good. Mike he's, not been, Doc, he's not been good for a while. He might, but just playing in Charlotte, he might hit 25 home runs. Perfect. I mean, Mark Payton hit like 14. Do your thing. Enjoy yourself down Mark, there in Charlotte. Is Mike Moustakis going to go play AAA baseball? I don't think he'd get a major league job. No, but you, no. the idea is that he'd get a minor league job and then 
And then prove it, right? Yeah. yeah. And then somebody will trade for him. Oh, we need... Well, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Matt, Matt, Cap- Mark, Matt Carpenter played AAA baseball. You feel like he's going to go the Dallas Ty- the Dallas Keuchel route. Might have to pitch in the minors a little bit and then <laughs> yeah. get a chance. I mean, Moustakas has been pretty bad. Yeah. So, I mean, in all he... I mean, really, I think he's fighting for a DH role, not a second base Now, role. Now, I say that, and the Cubs just signed Eric Hosmer. Different situation... Because the Cubs are only paying league minimum for Eric Hosmer while the Padres are paying the rest of his salary. It's ridiculous. Like $38 million for the next two years. Dumbass Padres signing that contract initially. But if it's just a $700,000 deal and Mike Moustakis is not your starting second baseman, please, Jesus, no. But a guy just coming off the bench and, you know, maybe can hit a home run once in a while. Fine. That's resigned a, to it. I'm just thinking of other Chuck jerseys. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy, if someone has like a spring training Jonathan Lucroy jersey. I don't even know if, why would you even have access to such a thing? You think that ends up at the garage sale? A Jonathan Lucroy spring training jersey? I mean, as soon as he got cut, they're like, they don't have their off. names take on the back of their spring training jerseys. Are you doing custom jerseys? They do. Oh, someone had it made. Right? <laughs> or maybe a, a Mike like Moustakis. person. Yeah. Yeah, right. The like, person that gets a custom <laughs> Jonathan Lucroy right. jersey. This is the thing about spring training I don't understand. Like, Black absorbs heat. The color black yeah. when you have they always wear black in Arizona. I'm like, aren't you wearing yourselves out more than the other teams? Wear your white jerseys. White socks. Good, good guys wear black, Herb. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it, and like they, smart guys and they get trained white, before they leave Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, it's gonna wrap up the show. Uh, we appreciate Jared Willis for joining us on this full uh, crew of CHGO White Sox. Make sure you follow Jared on Twitter at jwillis. Wise instead of eyes on Twitter, and he's our CHGO baseball writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ackermall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Vinny Duber has done some fantastic work over the past week. You could check out his two latest articles on Andrew Benatendi and Aloy Jimenez playing right field. The possibilities of him picking up a glove for maybe 10 innings. Uh, and, Sean, Sean's a big tease guy. He's trying to keep this story going. Five <laughs> uh, innings. Hey, uh, it, it was a good article. Uh, but uh, <laughs> make sure you go check that out. And uh, two, uh, after the show, probably around 5.30 or so, uh, the... 515, the Andrew Benatendi interview will post in its full on our CHGO Sports YouTube channel. And then around 8 o'clock, the full interview with Pedro Grafol will post. And that's so when about- you wake up on Friday morning, you will have 15 to 20 minutes worth of right. full interviews to watch. Or you can go to There's- bed listening to Pedro Grafol. You I can think of no too. better way to start the day. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Watch Bowl Benintendi. of cereal and yeah. uh, Andrew Benatendi. I got my Rice Krispies ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> like treats or, or, or cereals? Oh, no. The the, the cereal, okay. Rice Krispies. Oh, snap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crackle, crackle Pop. Pop. You ever had Rice ben Krispies? I'm, a, I'm more of a Cocoa Krispie okay. guy. I, 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 Cocoa Krispies are good. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just, I, I would like the chocolate just a little bit more. You it's know? understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rice Krispies are not good just Let's by themselves. Unless you need a sprinkle of sugar. You have to revisit it. our cereal draft for all of our cereal-based <laughs> opinions. <laughs> I'm next, maybe that's Sunday show is we can, we can do a, <laughs> another draft here. Uh, but anyways, uh, make sure you check out those interviews on our CHGO Sports YouTube channels. I'm Sean Anderson. Make sure you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, we have a podcast only coming out uh, Monday at midnight. And thank you to Stephen Nicholas for producing the show today. We'll talk to you on Monday morning, early morning at midnight. Uh, and go White Sox.